Hi, everybody. This is Jeff Murgy, your host for Bold Brands, a podcast presented by Bold Metrics that focuses on innovation and technology in the apparel e-commerce space. We speak with the founders and CEOs about the challenges they face and how they use technology to grow and scale their brands. On today's show, we have John Stratbeck, who's the founder of Boathouse Sports, an athletic performance brand uh, that actually started in 1976. Welcome to the podcast, John. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to it's great to have you here. Excited to dive in. Um, You've been around a long time. You started off in 1996 with an iconic product you called the Stevenson Jacket. Give us a little history on the company, how you got it started, um, how it's changed over all these years, and kind of what you're up to today. Sure. Well, actually, I started Boathouse in the mid-80s. Let's call it 1985. Along the way, we bought a, a company called Stevenson Industries, who started in 1976. But um, Boathouse was started essentially by accident, and that accident was I, I, I had moved to Philadelphia, and I had uh, spent four and a half years to be educated as an engineer, and was out working professionally in the corporate world as an engineer, and um, I, when I moved to Philadelphia, I started rowing again, which rowing, which I didn't um, really expect to, but I did, and after about two years in Philly, I decided uh, one day that I'm going to try to make the Olympic team. To make a long story short, um, I was uh, fortunate and ended up in the 1984 Olympics where I raced for the United States in L.A. That's and great. As I, as I was walking into the opening ceremonies in 1984, um, the host team is always last to walk into the Olympics and Greece is always first. Right. As the host team, we were last in. And as we walked in, um, the gymnasts, the, the gymnasts from the U.S. team entered the inside of the Coliseum and this USA, USA, USA came through this tunnel. I took about 10 more steps and decided then and there that regardless of how I did in L.A., I was going to quit my job and train for the Olympics four years later in Seoul, Korea. OK, sure enough, I came, finished sixth in L.A., which was great. Um, and came back to Philadelphia as working. And in February of 1985, I quit my job. I realized two days later that one, I needed to work because I didn't have enough money. Right. Um, and whereas the USOC was paying a stipend to athletes at this point after the success of the LA Olympics, it was only $2,500 a year. And that wasn't going to get you very far, no. especially, especially when you're consuming about 8,000 calories a day. Um, <laughs> the other is I wanted to work because I don't, I don't care what sport you compete in, rowing, lacrosse, football, track and field, whatever. You can really only push the body hard. I mean, right. really hard for about two hours. And then you have warm up and warm down and stretching and, and whatever else. But what else do you do with the day? So I wanted to work. Yeah. And uh, on a whim, I started making rowing apparel. And I knew nothing about the apparel business. Um, I grew up in the restaurant business. I was an engineer, um, but I knew nothing about apparel, but it was in Philadelphia. And in Philadelphia, you had um, the remnants of what used to be one of the apparel hubs in America. Uh, at, at one point prior to the 80s, Philadelphia was the, I think, the men's apparel center in the United States. But Oh, cool. So I, I didn't know that. I took some of the um, rowing gear that I had that was issued to us from 
the Olympic team and I, I found a mill in Warrington, Pennsylvania that made similar fabrics. And I took those fabrics plus um, garments I had down to South Philadelphia where there were a lot of traditional Italian tailors. And I asked them if they could help me replicate this. And so I started making rowing shorts and shirts and, and Boathouse was born. Right. Um, and from 1980, uh, from, from, from mid 85 to late, 88 boathouse was entirely um committed to the rowing business and it turns out that i had found a niche that nobody was serving which was apparel for rowing uh athletes on teams okay cool there however was one other company out there that was doing rowing jackets and that was stevenson okay um as we got into doing more business with more and more teams they started asking us to make the stevenson jacket so essentially, we knocked him off okay. and, took, and took at least 60% of his market because whereas he made a great product, he was a bit, not a great businessman. And in the end, or not the end, but late 1987, Boathouse bought Stevenson. Okay. Stevenson's first order was the iconic Stevenson rowing jacket, uh, that the first order of which was made for the 1976 Montreal Olympic team uh, for the US, U.S. athletes. And so that's where the two dates come from, 1989, 1976. And okay. We, we like that to makes say sense. 1976 because truly, you know, um, since we bought Stevenson, he started in 1976. I um, mean, then it, it, it aligns very well with being in Philadelphia. Right. Yeah. That's cool. That is very interesting. I did not know those details, especially I did not know I was talking to an Olympic athlete today. So that's awesome. So did you make the Seoul Olympics? I did. I All did. Right. I ended up um, while I was uh, the smallest athlete at six foot two, 185 pounds. Most rowers, um, world class rowers, rowers are six five, six six, usually about two fifteen, because you have mechanical advantage. Right. Um, I was one of the more efficient uh, rowers and I had great endurance, so I ended up as the core of the team. And raced in the world championships in 85, 86, um, the Goodwill Games in 86, the Pan Ams in 83 and 87, and the Olympics in 88 in Seoul, Korea, and essentially traveled around the world um, racing and making friends. And it was really, I mean, an amazing experience, you know. That's and awesome. I, I retired from that when I was 31 years old, and at th and 31, I that's when I kind of committed to making Boathouse where we are today. Yeah. So you took that rowing um, industry, rowing apparel, and now fast forward to today, talk about kind of all the different apparel that you make today and how kind of you yeah, started so, expanding. So one of the, uh, even in the early days, I said, you know, by late, by 80, late 87, 88, a big portion of our business was the, the jacket, the Stevenson jacket. And then I, in 1989, I looked at the rowing business and the rowing business at the time in late 89, all of a sudden there were six competitors in there. And I guess, you know, if you find a niche, sure enough, people are going to chase you into it. And, and right. I frank, frankly did not think the rowing pond was big enough for six competitors. So I changed the company in 1989-90 to an outerwear business. And our goal was to make the best outerwear in the world, best custom outerwear. I mean, there's yeah. some great... There's some great outerwear businesses out there, but the goal was to be the best custom outerwear in the world 
and and we achieved that I'd say by 1993-94 and we still I think can can put that trophy on our mantle today and That's you know awesome. the evidence the evidence of it is is you know since 1994 we've been making most of the outerwear um, or the foul weather gear and parkas and capes and Gore-Tex rain gear for the NFL. So even though the NFL has all these major um, sponsors, the, they continue to buy out of wear from Boathouse because we make the best, best stuff. Um, we've made for the U.S. soccer team, men's and women. We've made for the Argentinian soccer team, the Brazilian juniors, the Dutch, Polish team, the Japanese team. It's really know, cool. Yeah, so we've made a lot of outerwear, and then as the as the team business started to change it, around 2007, we added uniforms to the mix and training gear, so that we became a a full apparel manufacturer supplier to the team uh, to the team market um, nationwide and abroad. And then you know, with COVID, we've we've pivoted again, and and we're, we still. Are evolving in the team business, but the team business, frankly, has become a little bit challenging. And now right. we're trying to, we're moving Boathouse into the consumer space with the expectation of creating a hundred million dollar business in the, the as the Boathouse brand. That's great. Congrats on all that. And I really love that you haven't mentioned this yet, but you make everything in the U.S., right? Yes, we manufacture every single Boathouse product in philadelphia usa yeah and, and that's a huge advantage in today's uh apparel world with covid and all the supply chain challenges so you're you're sitting in a good spot right now i'd say yeah we we are sitting in a good spot i mean initially um i decided to make the product in the u.s in part out of necessity and in part because I felt we could control the quality, you know, and that necessity was we were still everything we were producing was custom and it was just virtually impossible to outsource custom made product. Even domestically, it was impossible to outsource custom made product. Right. But the real decision was we thought we could control the quality much better by producing it ourselves and and made the commitment early on to produce in the USA and made the commitment at the same time to be a direct consumer seller or direct to team seller. And um, it, it's been an advantage to our business model, um, but only recently, meaning in the past couple of years, has it been, a, been an advantage on the consumer side or in general, you know, and right. as you said, there's, there's extreme supply chain uh, challenges right now and and also there's just a uh, with COVID there's a more of an awareness and I think a desire to buy USA made all things else being equal right know? yep so another thing unique to you guys is this custom configurator you guys have to be able to design your own apparel outerwear right on your site itself Take us through like how how that evolved. Like when when did you decide to kind of launch that on your website? Uh, to the listeners out there, it's it's really cool to check out. You you don't have to order for a whole team. You can order a one off um, if you want to. But really impressive how it's it's done online. And just want to hear kind of the genesis of that. And yeah, feel free to talk about any challenges that came up as you were kind of 
adding sure. that technology um, to your site because it was cutting it's cutting edge today and it was definitely cutting edge at the time. Yeah, well, the um, innovation has always been part of the brand. And I think that might be part um, partly due to because I don't like to sit still and I like to try different stuff. But I also think being innovative uh, keeps the company fresh and, 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 and strategically uh, more powerful. But the um, configurator, the current configurator at Boathouse.com was launched in 2017. And it's truly, uh, it truly puts our factory in the fingertips of the user. So anyone in the world, not just the USA, but in the world can, can, can choose a style of outerwear, whether it's Gore-Tex outerwear or a wind jacket or a, right. a fleece piece, or you can design a uniform in track and field or, or rugby or ice hockey or rowing or a piece of training gear. You can select your style, then select your fabrics. Um, in the case of um, outerwear, it's very, uh, there's a lot of selections, you know, uniforms are pretty simple, but say you take a jacket, you select your your style, you select your fabrics, your lining, your zippers, the type of cuff, the type of hood you want. Um, and of course the colors and trims and notions and design a product that is truly in your own vision or your own brand. Right. Um, the design also includes, of course, for teams, you can put your team logos on the front, on the back, you can do individual names and numbers, um, but you can design the whole product in the current um, configurator at boathouse.com. You can save it to your locker room. Once you save it to your locker room, you can edit it, you can share it with people. And then when you're ready to order, you can just order. And the minute, right. you, the minute you click buy, um, that order is in our factory and it's being produced and it will ship to you in about 18 working days. And then one of the real strengths of the, the boathouse.com configurator is once you order, right, and teams always want to reorder. Mm -hmm. but once you order, all you have to do is bring up the style that you ordered in the past, put in the new new sizes or new numbers, click go, and the product's being produced for you again. And of course, everything we do is guaranteed. So you know, if we make any mistakes or whatever, we replace it or repair it as quickly as possible. But the configurator, the current configurator, it really is robust, and and it's. To the best of my knowledge, it's the only true e-commerce configurator out there. One of the other innovations we, we created back in 2008 is called the Team Store. And both of these, both the, the configurator and the Team Store, the whole idea was just make the life of the team athlete better, make it easier, right. make it more convenient, you know, really take advantage of technology. Yeah. And the Team Store is a, a platform that allows us we create a custom pop-up store and um that store can be uh, created in the you know the image of the school or the team and the product that's populated is all custom made for the team yeah and so, it, it, so it, what it's done is revolutionize how how kids on teams parents on teams supporters of teams order their product online and we launched the first team store in the United States on March 8th of 2008. I think it was to Trinity College in Connecticut. Wow, March 8th. That's my birthday. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, Down to the date there. 2008. I, uh, Jeff, right? You were born before 2008. I was, anyway, yes. <laughs> but the team stores have become ubiquitous. So now um, pretty much every team dealer, every team brand in the country 
has a team store. Right. Yeah. Um, but both of them, the, the, again, the simple concept was how do we make, how do we make life better for the, for the athlete? And that in fact goes all the way back to the Stevenson jacket, which was designed to make the pursuit of, of excellence a better, you know, a make, make the pursuit of excellence better for you if you were rowing on the Schuylkill river. Right. So it takes 18 days. If I would order a, a custom jacket today, um, has that improved over the years since you launched in 2017 or it, do you have initiatives on making that faster or is that kind of the sweet spot for your, your customer? Do you think? Um, we'd, we'd like to make it the fast speed is speed is a, always an advantage. Yep. Um, we'd like to make it faster. Uh, um, the, one of the biggest, uh, or, or part of that 18 days is the art creation and art approval. Yeah. Historically, the customer takes between five and seven days to approve their art. And that five to seven days is included in that 18 days. Okay. Yeah, Um, that makes sense. So then we're really producing it in about anywhere from 12, you know, 11 to maybe 13 days, which is pretty quick considering that it's being made from raw material and, and, you know, design, cut, sewn, embroidered, screen printed, applique, yeah, whatever, yeah. and going out to the customer. I, I mean, I'd like to do it faster. I'm not right. sure. I'm not sure if we can, but we'll keep Well, trying. yeah, that, that's a third of the time is, is uh, before you even start actually making it. I didn't know that. So yeah, that's yeah. pretty quick turnaround. Um, switch gears a little bit. Um, kind of hit on something we, we like to talk about on this podcast, and that's fit and sizing. How do you guys deal with the challenges of that? And where do you see it as kind of ranks of importance and, you know, things that you're constantly trying to evolve and improve upon? Um, fit and sizing, I think, ranks about, it's, it's, it's probably two or three. Yeah. I think the, the, the first and most important thing about performance apparel is the fabric. Right. You know? mm-hmm. um, and then, uh, you know, for, for an athlete or for anybody, the, the garment, it has to fit correctly and it has to be comfortable. Yep. And for an athlete in particular, depending on the sport, it really has to fit correctly. You know, mm-hmm. some sports with compression gear, it's critical. Um, you know, the, the, probably the most critical are rowing, wrestling, um, gymnastics. We don't do gymnastics, but uh, uh, cheer and, and, and track and field with sprint suits where, you know, right. the garment has to be form fitting and, and essentially stay out of the way. Essentially, you got you to gotta be able to wear it, feel you're not even wearing it. Yeah. But fit is, fit is critical. I mean, one of the things we've done from the beginning is we've always um, built product around first the, the gender and then the sport, you know? So if we design a product for track and field, let's say for women's track and field, the large of a women's track and field athlete is not the same as a large for a women rower, you know, right. not the same as the large for a women lacrosse player is not the same as a large for a women's basketball player. So we really focus on um, this, the fit, the, the, patterns the pieces to conform to the needs of the specific athletes right and then um 
and we have a set of rules that we try to manage. So, you know, a large should fit within a certain range. Um, mm -hmm. And those set of rules really uh, are more consistent in outerwear because, you know, whether you're a lacrosse player or a rower or a track and field person or rugby, whatever, outerwear, there's a little more give, let's say. Um, yeah. A little more leniency in how you fit stuff. But so it, it fit starts with how you're designing the product. And then um, we try to convey to the consumer as best as possible how our garments should fit on them using yeah. traditional manner for teams if they need be uh, we send out what we call fit kits uh, so they can actually try on the the style that they want to try though for us fit kits has been both an expensive and um, expensive uh, method of assuring the correct fit mm -hmm. and um, it, it's it's very challenging right but fit is critical to I mean, it's again, I think the fabric is first and then fit is two or three. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for sharing your thoughts on that. The other thing I want to touch on that's important to us at Bold Metrics uh, is sustainability. Um, can you tell me more about the Gore-Tex blue sign and the digital sublimization process that you guys have introduced to improve your, I guess, your environmental impact? Yeah, with Gore-Tex, W.L. Gore, who we've been a partner with since 1993, I think, W.L. Gore is really focused on sustainability. It might be their single um, greatest focus at the current time over the next decade or two. Mm -hmm. um, Gore uh, has changed its laminate, which is really what makes Gore-Tex Gore-Tex to be a more eco-friendly filament laminate. Right. Or has signed on with Blue Sign, and Blue Sign is an organization that tracks the various steps in the making of an apparel unit um, from end to end to assure that the product is being made in the most sustainable manner. So Blue Sign is a is a um, organization that is 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 trying to become more visible to the apparel consumer and working with a bunch of different brands to really understand where and how the product is made. You know, right. From, from the chemical in the beginning to how it's disposed in the end. Most of the fabrics, well, not most, all the fabrics we buy currently from WL Gore are blue sign uh, certified. Yep. Sublimation, which um, sublimation by definition is, is the transfer of a um, of solid to a gas. Sublimation has been around for about 40 years, but um, it became digital on or around 2006. And Boathouse was a very early advocate and investor in the sublimation process. Um, we felt we could make faster, better, lighter uniforms using sublimation. But one mm -hmm. of the beauties of sublimation in terms of sustainability is that the dyes that end up in the, in the fabric are nearly 100% utilized. None go to waste. Right. Um, you may or may not know, but the apparel business is either the second or third largest um, polluter in the world. Uh, yeah. number, one, number one is oil. And then I think it's debatable whether number two is industrial agriculture or the apparel business. But, but the biggest part of the apparel business that threatens the environment are the dyes. Yep. And dyes are particularly destructive or, or polluting in with fast fashion, you know? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Sublimation allows us to dye our fabrics in Philadelphia mm -hmm. um, with virtually zero waste as the dyes are a solid, 
we convert them to a gas. The gas is pressed directly into the fabric. And again, the, the waste, if any, that's left is, is really minimal. Right. And none of that waste is going into the environment. All of that waste is left on paper, um, which, you know, it's on paper. So we're, 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 we're wasting a little bit of paper, but that paper goes back to recycling pl plants. So right. there's, there's sublimation has literally zero dye waste whatsoever. Yeah, that's, that's super cool. You guys are doing that. Yeah, and, and we try to do other stuff. I mean, we recycle everything we possibly can. Um, we take a lot of cut waste. You know, there's always about 15% of your fabrics become waste. Rather than throw them in the trash, we give them to uh, some companies that use them. And I, I don't know if they grind it up or pelletize them, but they become pillows or yeah. pillow, pillow, pillow stuffing. Yeah, pillows, you know? yeah. Uh, we recycle our all boxes and paper and do everything else we possibly can. It's it's, it's, it's critical. It's the only thing that really matters to us humans on Earth because you know we're not going to destroy the Earth. The Earth will recover. We're just going to eliminate ourselves right. if we don't change something. Yep. Well, thank you for those efforts. That's that's very great to hear. You mentioned earlier the uh, you know your traditionally or team business and now you're moving to more of a consumer business DTC um, to really spur the next generation or the next phase of growth for Boathouse. Um, how are you going about that? Like, what are you changing and, you know, kind of what, what needs to change to kind of become more of a consumer business at this point for you guys? Well, frankly, Jeff, I think the only thing we need to do is let people know we're out here. I mean, Boathouse, yeah. <laughs> Boathouse, in my opinion, is the biggest brand nobody knows. We've been in, we've been in the athletic team business for 30 years. Right. And everybody in the team space knows who we are, but that team space essentially continues to be, let's say 16 to 22 year olds in high school and college. You know? Yeah. And probably a lot of word of mouth about yeah, you guys. Yeah. So, but we've, we've got, We've got 30 years of, of authentic athletic experience. We're an Olympic brand um, from the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, we're made in USA. We make uh, undoubtedly some of the best performance outerwear and apparel in the market. Yep. We're community-oriented community and we're direct to consumer. So we're in a place that a lot of people want to be. Mm -hmm. and, and the big change was uh, bringing in Cindy DiPietrantonio to, to become the president and CEO of the business. Cindy is an apparel vet and a branding vet. And one thing I know, is, or, or one thing I know is there's a lot of things I don't know. And, <laughs> and I, I'm an engineer from, uh, you know, the inside out. And I was really good at engineering our facility and lean manufacturing and mass customization um, and really going after the team business by being great at what we do. And now it's Cindy's job is to make people aware that the Boathouse brand exists yep. and, uh, and really access um, people that we outfitted. You know, we've outfitted um, for 30 years, athletes coming out of some of the best schools in the country. Yeah. If you consider that, let's say we started in 1990 and today's 2020, there's 30 years of athletes graduating from the best schools of the country that have been wearing Boathouse. So the ones that just graduated are 23, 24, but the ones back from 1990 are now 50 something. And, right. and we do know that, uh, you know, there's this huge cohort out there that wore Boathouse in the best days of their life. 
Yeah. And, and, and we found out very quickly that as we're starting to go out to consumer and some retail, how pleased people are that Boathouse is here, so to yeah. speak. I'm very That's excited cool. about it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah, you guys, you, you guys have a lot going for you and are set up, I think to really uh, do some damage. So that's, that's great. What can you tell us about kind of what's next? Um, you know, besides that and getting the word out there, but is there any new products, new technologies, new manufacturing, anything you want to share? Feel um, yeah, free well, not to, but. No, there's new and old. I mean, one, we'll continue to be a, a lean manufacturing focused on mass customization. So we lean yep. to me, lean is a whole different call. We could go on for hours about lean, but yeah, yeah. We will use lean and mass customization to continue to support our consumer brand as we identify what that demand is. You know, yeah. Whereas traditional apparel um, brand is sourcing abroad and 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 has to really project out anywhere from twelve months to eighteen months in order to get product when they think they need it. We'll still be able to use mass customization and essentially just we could probably be able to project sixty days or less and build what we need for the demand that we see, you know, right. yep. that's going to, that's going to continue to be an advantage. You know, we launched recently something called the tailwind sweat, which I've actually seen on bill Belichick, the new Eagles coach and a handful of other football coaches, some, some, some with our logo and some without um, we've evolved a whole set of compression bottoms and technical bottoms for consumers, you know, tights, compression shorts, rowing shorts, Right. Uh, we invested in a fabric. Again, what I said is one of the most important things is fabrics in the beginning. And we developed and invested in a fabric called Quad Stretch, which is a lightweight, very breathable woven that it, it makes for an ideal shorter pant for um, both men and women. I mean, you can literally yeah. do any, you can literally do anything in them. You know, right. It's swim, run, play tennis. You know, and if, if, if you're soaking wet, just give it a few minutes to dry off. You can go down and have lunch. Yeah. The key is, is really creating spot on product for the consumer and providing that product quickly with great uh, with a great customer experience. And again, both lean and mass customization. If we develop a product and it, it takes off, we can react very quickly and produce more or conversely. And hopefully this doesn't happen very much, but it's apt to happen. We've developed something and just for whatever reason, nobody wants it. We, you know, we can stop on a dime and, and not um, have a huge uh, inventory risk. Right. Great. Well, I think that's all the time we have today, John. I really appreciate you being on the show. This is a really great company. Um, I know myself and everyone at Bold Metrics is very excited to uh, order some custom jackets here soon. Um, but yeah, again, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate your time. Love talking to you. Yeah. And to the listeners out there, check out boathouse.com. Or, or if you or any of the listeners want to come visit us, just uh, uh, our factory is a 100,000 square foot vertically integrated factory in North Philadelphia. We're happy to have you give you a tour. And at the end of the tour, we'll give you a cheesesteak. All right. I am signing up. Thanks again, John. Thanks, Jeff. This is your host, Jeff Murgy, signing off on another episode of Bold Brands. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to Bold Brands or share it with someone that you think might enjoy it. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts.